Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Schmidt, one of the pastors at Celebrate Church in Knoxville, Iowa. And I want to welcome you to our Celebrators podcast. Today's podcast is part of our Let's Go series, where you'll get to know people who have taken the initiative to share God's love in their communities. At Celebrate Church, our mission is to gather to go with the presence of Jesus. And the people you're about to hear from are doing just that. We hope you find their story encouraging. Let's go. At Celebrate, we want to be people that gather to go with the presence of Jesus into the world. And today we have the Abaco team with us, and I'm so excited for us to hear more about your trip, what God taught you, how the weather was, what you did, all the different things. So let's start by introducing yourselves, because as much as people might know you, they may not know you. So who are you? What's your name? What are you about? And then what was your favorite subject in school? Go for it. Uh, I am Mike Calkins. I am married to Emily Calkins, and we have a son named Bryce. Um, outside of church, I do uh, new construction, um, residential and commercial, um, just kind of site supervising and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, uh, some people around here might know me as Big Mike. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm Russ Schneider. I'm married to Aubrey Schneider, and we have four kids, Claire, Kate, Quinn, and Easton. Um, and I'm a regional manager, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, regional manager at Vermeer, um, which I'm, I'm not Michael Scott, but I'm also not Dwight Schrute. So um, <laughs> if you want more details about that, you can catch me in church sometime. But um, so, yeah, and my favorite subject in school was PE. Mm. I forgot mine. Mine was also PE, but yeah, yeah. P-E-P-E, okay. Hi, um, I'm Becky Woodside. Becky, Becky. <laughs> married to William, and we have six kids together, 15 grandkids, um, recently retired in March, Okay. and we farm full-time. So I, I use retired loosely. I don't go to my job anymore, but yeah. we work on the farm. Okay, Becky, what was your job? I worked as executive assistant for Wells Fargo in the executive office. Oh, I did not know that. That's yeah. cool. Very cool. So what was, was your on, favorite subject? Um, well, recess and gym class. Okay. That's awesome. I feel nerdy because mine was history. Okay. Mm. Now we know. End of podcast. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> okay. So you all went to serve in Abaco in June. And some of the things I do know about it is that you got to be the last group before they started camp. So can you guys a little bit describe, Abaco is a new place for many hands to be, and they are specifically there to help with what is happening in Abaco, and Haitians have immigrated, all the different things. And they, can, they can't be in Haiti right now because of all the turmoil that's happening. Okay, what else am I missing? What else are we all missing? Tell us all the things. So yeah, um, Many Hands did just get established, it sounds like in January of this year and on the Abaco Island. Uh, they've been trying to get there for uh, a few years now. Um, the, there was a big hurricane in 2019, in September of 2019, and they um, had a bunch of people come to the island and help rebuild. And then um, Many Hands was trying to get involved, but they hadn't got involved yet. I think it was last year they kind of got feet on the ground, but established in January of this year is what I picked up. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, they're just kind of getting established. They aren't, I wouldn't say they're quite serving the Haitian people yet, more than okay. just the Abaco people. Yeah. Um, and just still helping recover from the hurricane that yeah. was almost four years ago now. So, Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah. 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 And Abaco is in the Bahamas. It's the most northern island in the Bahamas. Okay. All right. So why this opportunity for you? Like, yes, Celebrate was offering it. So this is a little different than all the other podcasts because this was a very Celebrate-specific invitation. But why this one? You could have done anything this summer. Why Abaco? <clears throat> Mine's um, easy. My daughter, Kate, uh, and I both went on it. So it was a trip that she wanted to do. She hadn't really been on very many mission trips, mm -hmm. whereas I've taken quite a bit with Claire. She's a little bit older. 
Um, and so this was a mission trip that she was really passionate about. I mean, I get that it's Bahamas and everything like that, but there was still a mission trip. It was hot. It was uncomfortable. There were bugs, you name it. Um, not a lot of air conditioning. So when you think about the fact that you're going to the Bahamas and this is like, oh, it's going to be a great trip and tropical, we did have a few good times and saw a lot of great stuff. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, it was still about, I think God put a calling on her heart and my heart shortly after she told us that this would be a good place to go and see how we can impact the people down there, similarly to how we've done it on other mission trips that Mm -hmm. I've been a part of. So um, we knew there'd be some hard work. We knew there'd be some relationships, but we just didn't know what was going to fully happen until we got down there and got in the moment. But that is why, I mean, I've always had a passion for mission trips. So for me, that was, it was an easy solution for me to say, this was one that came up. Um, You know, we we don't really do the faith and action stuff around here anymore. So to be able to do it, you know, outside of our community was even was even more rewarding. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's my reason. That's cool, Russ. That's awesome. What about you, Becky? Well, I think um, a lot of what Russ said also, but um, I had always felt that a mission trip, that you had to be like a medical professional Hmm. to go on a mission trip and serve. So when I first heard about this, and and reached out to find out more information about it. It's like, wow, they really do have a need for normal people, wow. you know, yeah. without being a professional, that we could actually, you know, go and provide services and reach out and help the community. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think that was the most rewarding thing for me. Was like, I you know heard for years and years with the a personal friend that was a, uh, a dentist and he had gone on yeah. mission trips every year and would come back and talk about it all the time about how how you know how he had served and how they how much opportunities they had and an impact that they had mm-hmm. and it was like wow that would be so cool to do but I didn't think that you know I had any right. value I guess okay and that was one of the neat things that that helped me during um, with the team of 13 that we we um, reached out and everybody had special talents mm. and it was just it was amazing how everybody blended together right and just really you know worked off of each other and I mean we had a super incredible group of people that went yeah a lot of talent yeah I think when all of us probably saw you all go up front so we could pray over all of you all of us are probably like I wish I was going with all those people because you all are so awesome. I agree with that. Okay, so could you describe a typical day from, I know it may not have always had the same thing, but like what time did you wake up? What did you do in the in-betweens? What kind of food did you eat? Paint, like show us, tell us, make us want to be there. So um, Laura always said that we have uh, (laughs) breakfast is at 8 sharp. And she would always show up at like 810. 810, yeah. She's always late. <laughs> uh, Laura was our um, guide of sorts. Host, I yeah. Mean, host, she was our host, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, so we would eat breakfast in the morning at camp, um, which was like boiled chicken quite often. <laughs> for breakfast? <laughs> breakfast was not boiled chicken. Honestly, it was We had a one time. In the morning for breakfast. We usually had, okay. we had normal American like, Pancakes <laughs> and bacon were an option as well. But, yeah. Um, but you chose boiled chicken? I was It was a traditional Abaco breakfast that they yeah. served us one day. It was basically chicken soup. They told us, Seriously? Yeah, they told was, us huh? that Americans like to eat breakfast for dinner, but Bahamians like to eat dinner for breakfast. Huh. Either way. It was it was chicken soup with a little bit of vinegar. I mean, in, it was in the morning. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it was. Is that all they gave you that day? No, no. thankfully they had, they had some other stuff that day. It was day. like and then, have fun. Um, we would probably head off to but wherever we, had, we were going. We had devotions in the morning too, right before breakfast. Oh yeah, so like the, the team would get there about seven thirty, have a devo, um, and then just kind of chat a little bit, and then breakfast would start at eight o'clock, um, and then after that we'd go to the job site or wherever we were going that day around nine o'clock we kind of load in the vans and go um and then we would drive down the most wretched road <laughs> okay i'm i'm saying in the world it, like, it, it was, was bad it was rough okay like, like everybody on the island knew it as camp road <laughs> like it as was, in like not paved no, or it was okay. it was yeah. all limestone right. there was potholes everywhere i mean we have videos of like when it rained, they have no drainage, so the water, I mean, it would just be flooded for the okay. whole time we're there. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. But yeah. the funny part about it is they always ask, like, were you safe at the camp? Like, Aubrey would ask me if I'm safe at the camp. And they're like, 
nobody drives down this road unless they're going to the camp yeah, right. because it's so bad. Right. Wow. It was it was bad. So anyway, we were very safe too, but I didn't right. interrupt. Keep no, going. You're, good. you're doing beautiful. Yeah, you're good. Um, and it was about, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 minutes into town. Um, I think the most of the time we went to uh, the community center. That's mm. where we did most of our uh, work uh, at the community center. Um, and sorry, was this community center in the camp? No, no. so, like so totally you got to envision that okay. camp is like, it's its own little thing. It like is, it's, okay. it's literally 20 minutes from anything. Okay. Huh. Um, Any kind of civilization. Yeah, anything. Honest, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, it's odd that where it is. I'm yeah. sure that the land was just cheap, but, um, <laughs> and it's, the camp itself is great. Right. Um, but yeah, we're, we, so you go into town, um, and you're not, you're not passing anything until you get into town. Okay. Right. And like the first thing you pass is like the airport. Okay. <laughs> so, the international airport <laughs> that looks like a Morton building. Yeah. I mean, it is very small. I mean, it had two terminals, right? Three. Three terminals. Yeah. I mean, and it was an international airport. So it was just yeah. very So eye-opening. smaller than Des Moines. Very, very like, small. Like okay. Knoxville is probably the same size as oh, Honestly. Okay. Yeah. Wow. They're yeah. talking terminals. They're talking doors to go. Like, doors. Yeah. Okay, because when you said terminals, I was like, actually, that's bigger than Des Moines. No. Des Moines only has two. No, sorry, I meant doors. And, doors then, yeah. and then once you went outside, your terminal was a ramp that sat underneath an overhang in the 90 degree, 100 degree okay. temperature before you then walked onto the plane with steps like old school. Yeah. Like no jet bridge, none of that. Okay. So. I guess I don't know this. Did you guys fly MFI? No, we Mission? flew okay. uh, Delta all the way. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. We don't want to talk about this. It's okay. I was just trying to... uh, airplane source out of airplane Georgia. Out of <laughs> it was a direct flight from here to Atlanta. So take another, another plane from Atlanta. Anyway, um, sorry. So, yeah, so we then digress. we get there and then kind of figure out what we were going to do that day. Um, each day was uh, significantly different, but for the most part, we would get there, figure out what we got to do, um, and then get after it. Lunch would either be brought in. I think every day it was brought in. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Ham sandwich. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing crazy or off the wall. Um, and then you'd work all afternoon until about three thirty, maybe four o'clock. Go back to camp. We'd have about an hour and a half, two hours of downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, the camp is right on the ocean. Like mm-hmm. you could pretty much from the bunkhouse throw a rock to the ocean. Wow. I mean, okay. I mean, it's like right there. Um, so you, we would just go swimming and. The, the water was really shallow, so you could do a lot of snorkeling and stuff. Um, yeah, then we'd eat dinner, have a second Devo, and then kind of the rest of the night we'd play games and card wow. games and uh, just kind of hang out. Hmm. So, That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And and no air conditioning. No, no, nowhere. So when we say we went swimming, like, because I had to tell a lot of people this when we came back, and, and I was telling a lot of people about my story. I'm like, it, it felt bad that we were able to go in the ocean every day because it was it was – tropical in a way it was a tropical paradise mm-hmm. right but when you have no air conditioning and it's 90 degrees 100 degrees out to get it to go in the ocean where it's slightly cooler that was a relief like that right. was our only relief we had no air conditioning at the camp so a lot of times other than the fans that were blowing in the bunkhouses that was that okay. was our relief so even though it was great to say we were swimming in the ocean like that's when you got to cool off a little right. bit before you went back in sweat while you showered and then sweat it when you got out of the shower and sweat all night long mm-hmm. and sweat while you sleep. So, so to, and to add into that, like it's, it's humid. It's very, very humid. Right. There. Like the temperature was like 80, 86 in that area, but the humidity was like 180. So it felt like it was a hundred degrees. I mean, right. it was crazy hot and right. sweaty. The, the coolest thing about the Island is that there's an aquifer under the Island, which mm. just, like if you drill, it was like four feet. I, mean, it wasn't I don't even know if it was that far. Yeah. I think it was like two or three feet. So like you so. would drill down so far and you would get fresh water. Wow. Right. So their fresh water source is not very deep. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. And their water lines are only like six inches deep. <laughs> so like even their, even the cold shower is not cold <laughs> right. by any means. I mean, it's <laughs> because it's heated right there. Essentially room temperature. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, that was, it's so all like, yeah, I mean, the ocean is, is the only way to cool. I mean, you would shower. And before you were dried off, you were just covered in sweat, like just okay. drenched in sweat. <laughs> yes. Just no way to get away from it. And that the ocean was really your only option to cool down of any sort. Right. So, yeah. So that was a typical day. That was a typical day. Yeah. And and now the one caveat is if it rained, everything changed. Yeah. So okay. when, when it rains, 
in Abaco specifically, first of all, there's a lot of people that just have PTSD with thunder mm. and lightning, yeah. which it did pretty heavily a couple days. Okay. Um, because of the hurricane? Because of the hurricane. Okay. Yep. Wow. Um, and they don't, like I said, they don't have storm drains. They don't have anything mm-hmm. like that. So a lot of the roads flood and a lot of people don't have cars. Mm. So if their only way to get around is to walk, they're either staying home or going to a house nearby. And they also run, their electrical system is terrible. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times if there's thunder or lightning, it will just shut down the electricity for the whole town for the day. Okay. Like grocery stores close. You've got no lights in your in your place unless you have a generator. So Gas a lot of people have closed. generators. Yeah. Gas station closes. All that stuff closes. So there was one day I think we wanted to go to the store, and it's like, nope, they're closed like because it was raining and lightning. And, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Wow. So that was a culture shift. But there was one day when we were going to go and do a culture day, go around and everything, but it rained and lightning, and our plans had to shift, which is the Abaco way of life. Mm-hmm. Their, their plans just shift a lot. So let's say they're in school. Do they just close it down for the day then? Some of the schools were – there's there was different levels of schools. Okay. A lot of the schools were government – based schools okay therefore they would have their own generator okay on site yes it, it actually amazed me how many people houses businesses had a massive generator sitting mm-hmm. right outside their in their yard wow um because the power source was just so unreliable yes um down there that it just if you want power at all you gotta you just gotta <laughs> provide right. your own okay essentially okay so, yeah. okay yes one of the churches that we went to for the service, they had mentioned that they did have a generator, but they couldn't, their generator was down because they had ordered diesel and it hadn't come in. Yeah. Okay. So it's like everything has to be shipped in mm. to the island. They yeah. don't have any resources there. So it's like, like the boys were saying that everything literally shuts right. down because right. they don't have it available. Yeah, because what do you do if you don't have the diesel? Right. Yeah, you have to shut it down. So it's like, you know, we're mm-hmm. so used to instantaneous flip the light switch on and, you know, it's yes. like it really, it really made us appreciate mm-hmm. the things that we have and mm-hmm. the things that, that we take for granted that they really have to work for. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things I heard about was, I think, is it called the Line of Dorian? Mm-hmm. Um, could you describe that a little bit? Because I think if you haven't seen it, that's hard to comprehend. And because we don't live in a hurricane area, so that's hard to comprehend, really. Um, yeah, could you explain that a bit? I would say, so I had a unique view because I had to sit in the back of the van that, that day. <laughs> so as we were driving away from um, what Dorian had hit and driving into, so first of all, we had a cultural day that day. So what we were going to do was go see the line of Dorian, which they do, these trips do one day every every mm-hmm. time somebody goes down there. And so ours was headed into this beautiful part of the island. Um, and as we were pulling away from all the destruction, which when you when you think about the line of Dorian, I mean, think about a, a really bad tornado, I mm-hmm. guess, like when you look at Joplin or something like that is mm-hmm. what I would relate it to. Everything's just demolished. I mean, right. it's gone. And we're talking like it's, it's the wave of water that comes in that crushes it. So I don't know how many feet, how, how high the surge was, 20, 30 feet or something yeah. like that. I wow. mean, yeah. So everything, 20, 30 feet below came in, did its destruction, and then it went out. And this was over a course of several hours. So if you had anything that was below that line, buildings, trees, you name it, it just, it was all, I mean, it was just demolished. So, um, mm-hmm. so when you're, when you, where we were at in the camp and spending time in Abaco, all of that was very, it was not lush. It was not tropical island. It, okay. it just looked bare. I mean, there was just nothing, and you could still see the destruction of, of vehicles and trees and everything like that. But as you're, as you're driving into the nicer part of the island that was pretty much untouched, hmm. it was beautiful. It was lush, wow. and you can literally see where there's trees that, I mean, they call it the line of Dorian because it, it just literally there's a line, and it's crazy because you see what once was, what mm-hmm. Abaco once had, and then what hmm. is is left where everything else was. So it was pretty shocking to see i mean even homes that were on that on that side or, or on that it's just crazy so wow. that's the easiest way to describe it but without seeing it or without seeing some destruction from a tornado before i don't think anybody could really understand yeah. what that what that really looks like or what what we witnessed so right so 20 to 30 feet like just to give perspective right would probably be at least up to the upper room so we're in the upper room right now or maybe even a little higher than that, right? And I don't remember how high exactly it was. Maybe well, it was only like 10 to 12 yeah. feet. I can't I, remember. I mean, was... we know it took out the second floor of that upper of yeah, church. Of that one so. church, yeah. So, I mean, the, the stories that, I mean, we could sit here and tell you stories that we heard of 
was it Pastor Ryan? Mm-hmm. Is that his yes. name? Mm-hmm. Um, his his testimonial alone um, about the hurricane. I mean, just a long story short, he was on the second story of his house or of the church. I can't yeah, remember. He was at the church. He was at the church because it was second, a Sunday morning. Second level of the of the church, and basically, he's his family was there protecting his family, and when the hurricane comes, there's a storm surge of water that comes in. And then they know when the eye is directly over them, that's when there's like a calm and it's mm-hmm. a peaceful thing. And he said it was like 45 minutes. Yeah, like, yeah, 45, like 45 minutes. minutes. They're, they're living in like a utopia. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. sun's out. Wow. But they, they're sitting in 10 to 15 feet of water or whatever it was. But they know they can't move. There's nowhere to go mm-hmm. because you're not going to get anywhere. And they didn't know how long the eye would last. Mm-hmm. So the walls were gone. The ceiling's gone. He's got nothing around him but like a mattress and the floor. And they know that this is just going to hit again, and the water's all going to go out. So the wind's going to pick up again. There's going to be rain. There's going to be all this stuff. And it's like, holy cow, what does he do? So he protected his kids, and there's a few God stories in there where he found they had to figure out what they're going to do with food, and somehow they found a bag of chips that were just laying there. I mean, just crazy stuff. But to know that you've got no walls around you, no roof above you, and you're just going to get these high winds again. Right. Um it'd be pretty scary. And I think he said in that moment, he's like, I've, I've prayed, pre- I don't know if he said he's ever, ever prayed as hard, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you could tell from talking to him everything, it was, he knew that he was in a moment that, that God was protecting him and it's a pretty powerful story. But so yeah, when you're talking about right. how high it was and everything like For that, sure. crazy. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting to think about the first wave, the calm, and then, right, all that water rushes out. So then what that would feel like mm-hmm. just has to be unbelievable the wind speeds were the highest ever recorded on land during this hurricane wow ever that's crazy to think about because that was part of the problem was that they hadn't anticipated that Mm -hmm. big of a hurricane yeah because they thought well we've been through hurricanes before right and then when it started it was like oh my gosh this is right back yes so it makes me want okay so i was in puerto rico in 2019 with a group of students and the year before, Vermeer had their big tornado, mm-hmm. and it was the, so we're there. I wonder if they were also hit by Dorian, and it, like, wiped out significant pieces of Puerto Rico. And they're there, and they're, they end up thanking us because they said so many people have forgotten about us. We are still in great need because the hurricane obviously has destroyed things. Some of them had just gotten electricity, like, six months before we were there. And then we drive back because we stayed uh, and flew in and out of Chicago. We drive back and we drive past Vermeer and it was already rebuilding. And I was like, oh, this is such a weird moment because here we have full access to all of those things. But there it does. It takes so much more. Exactly what you said, Becky, earlier, like you're trying to ship all these things there to rebuild, but your resources only go so far. And so... I can't imagine what it would be like to see an actual line and be like, this is what the island really used to look like, and this is what it is now. Just crazy. And makes sense why they have PTSD from it. Well, and even when we first got there, I mean, we were looking around at all of the destruction. I mean, there's just buildings that are, are half tore apart. Wow. There's there's piles of cars. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's stuff that may never get cleaned up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's scary to think about, but... Yeah, it was it was pretty shocking. When we landed, we were in the midst of it right then and yeah. there. And it wow. looked like it looked like it just happened three weeks ago. Okay, I mean, it, like it was like literal utter utter chaos still. Wow, you know, just four years later. So, um, I guess another thing to add is, so the island has these super tall, like a pine tree, like a southern yes. pine tree, just everywhere on the island, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're when you land, <clears throat> and all you see is these little rotten sticks. Right. Little twenty foot tall sticks just sticking out, no limbs or nothing. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what are we looking at? <clears throat> when you get to the line of Dorian, then you see fifty foot trees with with like a little Christmas tree on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, just as as often as you see a rock, like just everywhere. Okay. Um, so to, I mean, that line of Dorian was just just crazy. I mean, it's mm. just it was. I don't even know how to explain it, I guess, but just flat to trees wow. as, as far as you can see. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Man, that's so, so interesting. In a world with so many opportunities or a summer, you know, it's summer break for some of us um, with so many options, why would you choose to go on a service project, a mission trip? I mean, you could go to the Bahamas and just hang out. I was thinking about that when I was driving in tonight. I was like, you know what? It's funny because when we were 
on the plane and you see every, I mean, even we were, we got our phones out and it was beautiful and you see the islands, it's like, wow, this is awesome. But then the second you stepped off that plane, you're like, these people are here for something completely different than what we are. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I wondered as I was driving here tonight, I'm like, I wonder if those people had any idea because we saw some of them on the plane ride back. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if they had any idea of any of the destruction that we were able to witness and see. Um, But for me, I've always had a heart for like helping people and, and, and mission trips. And so I was bugging Judd probably way too much. Like, Hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? He's like, I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know yet. So Mm -hmm. part of it was concerning that I, I'm also a planner. Thank you to my wife for that. But, um, I had no idea what we were getting into, but, um, no, and I think these other two will probably say the same thing, but when we left, we kind of felt like we did something like we could see the significance of what we accomplished when Mm -hmm. we, from when we got there to when we, we left. And for many hands they have no idea what any of the teams are going to do right when they get down there they don't know our skill sets or anything like that so they kind of have to plan accordingly each day um but we just we got a lot done which was my goal in the first place Mm -hmm. i mean i get that it was also they call it an impact trip because you could have some relationships with people but my goal going all along was to just get down there kick some butt and hopefully rebuild help them rebuild in whatever little way we could and i felt like we did that with the murphy town center and A little bit of the camp too. So, okay, well, and also yeah. with the with the library, we oh, went yeah. in yep. and the school didn't because all their books had gotten destroyed. Hmm. So we were able to take the books that had been donated and get them sorted and categorized and toss a lot of things that needed to be tossed. Okay, but um, when we left, they had all of the books in the library on the shelves mm-hmm. all categorized for the kids where they could go in and de- depending on which level they were at they could just go in and look at that specific wow. book and determine what level they were at so that that way they weren't just reading easy books for that sure. way they could go ahead and exceed and um, you know go to the next level wow. but that that was very rewarding to be able to to leave that library where we knew that it was in good shape for the school year that was coming up. Yes, because is that crazy to think that the books were destroyed in the hurricane and you're four years after just working on the books from the hurricane, you know? Well, and also one of the, one of the little girls that um, we've talked to, she was, um, I think she was going to be in fourth grade and she didn't even know how to read because they didn't have their school. Wow. And they didn't, they didn't have any books and it's like, Oh my gosh I mean we take so much for granted that wow. our kids have that and they were they had nothing Wow and it was just like it like Russ said we we felt that we left an impact mm-hmm. with the library and then the Murphy Town hmm. Center and the camp just because I mean we didn't really we were planting the seeds yeah we got everything ready and fixed the best that we could and we know that it's going to grow and mm-hmm. prosper and everything. That's cool. What did you do at Murphy Town Center? So we, um, the first day we got there, they said they wanted us to do some painting and stuff. Um, we had to prime the ceilings first, and we started about nine o'clock and had a, our team was ready to work and we were uh, very efficient in what we were doing. And by lunchtime, we were pretty much done with the ceiling. Okay. And Laura was like, oh, uh, I was like, so if you got the wall paint, we can probably start on that. And she's like, oh, uh, this was supposed to take you all week. <laughs> we're okay. like, oh, yeah. well, we're here now. And we, <laughs> more we need yeah. some more paint. So we were actually able to get the whole building painted. Cool. Um, and like, it was hot in there, but the paint was drying, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> Slowly. The, uh, and we lost power, so we didn't have any lights. So like, it's it's... There's windows on the outside, but like in the inner rooms, there's like bathrooms. Right. There's no light. So. Yeah. But it was raining, so we had like, to shut the windows. <laughs> so it was hot. There's no air moving. So it was just, it was a perfect setting. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Russ is in the bathroom, just sweating oh, it out. Man. With like a flashlight in his mouth. And that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah that's that was how, how, I mean, okay. your phone is a flashlight. So yeah. it's okay. Yeah, right. resourceful. So. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was just, that's, that we did a lot there. Um, I think we worked there two two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Um, one day we had to do trenches outside mm. for the electrical crew, um, mm. some outlets and stuff, but um, it's pretty much 
wrapped up. I mean, I think there's going to be some uh, like cabinetry and doors and stuff, and I think they'll be mm-hmm. ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, wait, that uh, that was kind of the biggest project we worked on. That's cool. Um, yeah. Well, we needed to get the ceiling done because they had electricians coming in to put fans in. Correct. Okay. Coincidentally, after we had got it all painted, <laughs> right. electricity and lights came in right after we got done. So. Yeah. Right. And on that last day, the fans were installed. Fans it was installed. amazing. It was awesome. It was like, wow. oh, we could, yeah. we could be in here. Right. <laughs> well, we may get to it later, but the cool thing about the Murphy Town Center was we were able to walk through it and kind of bless it before we mm. left and pray over it. And so the cool thing about that was, and I walked in on Mike when he was having a conversation, but he was in the kitchen. He's like, can't you just see people like handing food out and be like, hey, I don't like this, or hey, that was really good food. And it's like, you know, that's that's true. Like, yeah, you, like you don't the... you don't picture what the future is going to be, but it was mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that we were able to to help. I mean, help out in that little way to right. just painted the walls, but it's like finished for him now. For sure, have some gatherings or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, so. that's cool. How did you all experience Jesus on this trip? A lot, okay? (laughs) Um, First of all, I never have been to church camp, okay? So I kind of consider that my first church camp. Yeah. It was really exciting, and um, I guess there were multiple moments. Hmm. Um, I think one of the the fun times was when um, we were outside the Murphy Town Building, and... um, the three younger girls that went with us um, were we were outside and there were uh, um, three of the uh, they were probably seven or eight year old girls okay and they came up and of course I mean the Kate Jr. and Kate Sr. and, and they I mean they're just like little magnets yes. they, they just ran right over to the girls and they were talking they were talking to the girls and it, it was so fun how excited they were that um, we were doing the project in mm-hmm. there because the the kids said that their um, their brother has to go and a lot of people go on the ferry to different um, islands to okay. work because there's not much work on the island. Yeah. So the girls were saying that um, they were so excited that that our teenagers were there, and they were, long, you know, look asking them what kind of music they like. So they were kind of dancing around and singing, mm-hmm. and it was just like it was just so awesome to watch the girls interact. Yeah, with the, with the local kids. That's cool. It was it was really heartwarming. Hmm. But they worked their tails off too, like Mike was saying that. Yeah. Because they were up on the scaffolding and. They wouldn't let them off the scaffolding. They just pushed them from place okay. to place. They just kept them up there rolling, yeah. and they'd bring them paint. And that's so awesome. The girls really worked hard. Okay, that's really cool. Wow. How about you guys? How did you experience Jesus? So, um, actually, for me, um, uh, quite a few things. I mentioned earlier about the aquifer under the island, right? So, like, there's fresh water right. available to anybody who can dig a four-foot hole, hmm. right? So, I mean, that's how most people just have water is just through the ground, um, which is cool. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. God understands that the chances of getting running water there is pretty slim, mm-hmm. so he just provides it. Wow. Right? Um, the second thing is we went to the line of Dorian. We were, we were actually going to work because we went to this um, – guy's house called Glenn. His name was Glenn and his wife. I can't remember her name. Um, anyway, they own a um, hydroponic garden. Hmm. So they don't have any soil down there. It's all straight limestone, okay. um, which is just rock. It's just hard rock all yep. the, everywhere around. Um, so he has this hydroponic garden. And I think what I heard is that he was selling his produce to the there's like one grocery store on the whole island. Mm-hmm. And he was selling his produce to them. And then they were marking it up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, stop selling. I'm just trying to make it. I'm trying to provide food for people. And they're like, oh, it is. this is the price we're, this we're selling at. So he pulled out okay. of the market. And then he just sells it on his own now. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, when you first land on the island and you see that utter chaos and disaster, you're like, is anybody doing anything? Right? Mm-hmm. Like it looks like. Nothing has happened from four years ago. So, like, you know, that we land at the airport, and then we go from the airport to the camp, and that whole path is pretty gone, pretty much yeah, gone. So right. 
you, when you land, you think nobody's doing anything. They're all just waiting for a handout or whatever it is, you know. And then you meet people like Glenn who, like, talking to him. He was at the church we went to on Sunday morning. Um, he's just an, he's just a very interesting guy. Mm. He has a whole story um, as well. Um, but just, like, just meeting that guy and then, and then all the stuff that their, their family's doing for the island and trying to help people getting straightened out and the, and the story they had from the hurricane is like he was in the hurricane but lived out of the hurricane so like he you know he was in it but he was able to go home right but he his house was like a safe haven for people like okay. he said that people would come over and shower and wow. do all the things that they needed to do because they didn't have that anywhere else um and he, he just loved well he just he just i don't know i mean he just reeked of jesus of sorts mm. um he he built a sand volleyball court in his yard so that kids will come over and then he could tell them about Jesus. Wow. And that's just, I don't know. Yeah. He's just doing some good things. And like, I kept saying like that Glenn guy is going to save the Island. Wow. Like he's going to like just his mentality and the, the hope that he brings to the Island is just feeding into the, the whole Island. So just, just seeing that, um, and that love he has mm-hmm. for the people of the Island and, the hope that he has for what changed because it does help that he's living in the normal island area like you know his house isn't destroyed his trees are still tall mm-hmm. and um so it's it, i don't know it he's he's really good for the the island and you know in three or four years to come back and see what he's done to help transition it sure. will be really really cool to see mm-hmm. so, that's cool mike yeah what about you russ so I had um, an interesting encounter one day with a gentleman. It was raining out, and he we were there was only a handful of us painting at the Murphy Town Center, um, and he came up, um, and he was um, he was somewhat handicapped, like mm-hmm. so he, he he couldn't really get a job or anything like that. But um, and we were talking with Andrew, the guy that works or is part of Mini Hands for Haiti, um, or Mini Hands, sorry, and he said, well, yeah, he's 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 kind of had a rough life. He's had some hard times everything like that but he wouldn't really talk to me like he would talk to Andrew and it was he just didn't know how to have a conversation with people um but finally when he did warm up and we started to talk he said you know what I I love Jesus and I'm not afraid to die and I I had turned to Mike Bender and I had said that he's like he's got it all figured out man (laughs) and I was like yeah he does and there's so many people like that that are on the island that they just they know that there's a God and that he loves them and that Hmm. You know, they, they've been through some pretty bad stuff, right. but they're good. Like, right. if they've got Jesus and they love Jesus. So that was an obvious one for me. Um, yeah, and probably the most the most simple one to say, where did I see Jesus or God in the whole story? But, mm-hmm. you know, to, to Mike's point, Glenn's also supporting the uh, the 100 days or whatever it is. Yes. Thousand, 100 days, 1,000 days, I can't remember. 1,000 days, yeah. 1,000 days First of, thousand of days, new, yeah. new mm-hmm. mothers. And so, yeah, Glenn, dude, he's he's something else. So... Uh, between him and the the guy that I met at the the Murphy Town Center, that's where that's where I say there's so many ways we saw God down there. I mm-hmm. mean, when you think about nature and the beauty and all that stuff, I mean, right. the storms and things like that. Um, there's a lot of resources down there that just have that are untapped. Where mm-hmm. you know you can just see that Abaco Island could be ripe for some kind of future if people would just help them out a little bit. Yeah, I guess for sure. Final question. How can Celebrate support what's happening in Abaco? So this trip affected, there was 11 of us from this church that went. This trip affected 11 people right. in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be cool to, I, I believe we're going again. Yeah. Like I believe the church will, will send another group. To, I, it would be so cool to send 50, 60 people yeah. on this trip. You know, and then to just see the impact that they can make, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not possible to send that many people at a time, but like over the next five years to have 60 people come back from there mm-hmm. would be, it would change the culture of this church wow. in big ways. And just, I mean, we live a pretty sweet life here in America and anytime you can step out of that life yeah. and see what people, I mean, what normal people are dealing with mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, it just opens your eyes to so many things and like 
just understanding that that you could live without all of the things we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice that we have them all. It's nice that we could walk into almost any building and know that it's going to be air conditioned right. and there's going to be running water and there, and to lose power. It's like, what the heck? You know, right, like, right. Why, where is the, why right. is the power off? You know, right. like, and to I just, it's so good to understand that. And I've been on so many trips where you see that and you're put into that situation and, and taken out of your, comfort zone of sorts but just to just to see god in all you're relying on god so much more outside of the comforts of home yeah you know and understanding like keeping us safe making sure the plane doesn't fall out of the sky or whatever it is that you're worried about but your god is so much more centered on your mind than he is on your everyday going to work and mm. doing the mm-hmm. things you do every day mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean I don't know. I think it would just be cool to see, you know, five years from now, a mm-hmm. large group of people that say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I went to Africa and I did this and I experienced right. this and yep. I saw that. You wow. Know. That's cool. For sure. Becky, Russ, what would you say? How can well, Celebrate support? I think that um, Celebrate's an awesome church. We have mm-hmm. a lot of wonderful people with a lot of talents. Um, and I would just really like to express how deeply... It, it affected my husband and I, and being able to be vulnerable with the group. Mm. And I mean, basically, you didn't have any phones, no TV, no right. distractions. Like like the guy said, we had you know morning devotional and evening devotional. It I really felt a really deep connection where we we could kind of get rid of everything else mm. and just focus on that, and it was re- very rewarding. Wow. Very, I mean, very, a lot of good habits came back from yep. it. I think it was like, okay, yep, let's get rid of all of the trash and wow. just focus on the good things. But I, I 110% agree that Celebrate needs to continue mm-hmm. this. And it was, it was a really rewarding, mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. Um, place. But, um, I, and I think it's, it's where you kind of, you know, you, you bring your, you get rid of all of your, you know, your, your walls mm-hmm. and you're, you know, it's like you're kind of free and you, right. you felt comfortable, you know, sharing with everyone. And I mean, we had a lot of really emotional conversations and yeah. it's, it, I don't know. I think Mike Bender said that, you know, we left as 13 and we came back as one. Wow. So it's really, I mean, it's like, it's like an Abaco family, yeah. I think, kind of, because it's really deep connection. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's really great. Thanks, Becky. What about you, Russ? So is the question, how can we support me, or how can we support Support Abaco? what's happening in Abaco. Well, I don't feel like we can have a, have this conversation without a shout-out to the show guards. Mm. Um, yes. So yeah, the one thing... The math. Yeah. We, we probably so, yeah, there's 13. There's yeah. 13. So... <laughs> So first of all, what made this trip unique was that we didn't know them before we went down there, right? Mm-hmm. So being open to the fact in the future that if there's people from other right. churches or stuff like that that want to go, man, I would embrace that in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. they were awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. honestly, they were they made the trip what it, I mean, it wouldn't have been what it was without them. So mm-hmm. um, how else could celebrate and support? I would say, you know, the one thing that we probably didn't realize until we got down there, but now we could verbalize now that we're here, they needed some things that they didn't probably ask for. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they asked for curtains right before we left, but that was like a last minute thing. And then none of us brought curtains mm-hmm. and I wanted to, but it was just last minute. And I was right. afraid I wouldn't be able to pack enough stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I think we can be a voice for a lot of people that go in the future. If, if we don't get to go back to just say, Hey, you don't need to take this much stuff. You're yeah. not going to need your chargers for your phones. Right. Um, things, things like that. But, you know, if there's other people that say, well, I don't, I know I'm not going to go. What else can I do? You know, you can, I, I hate to bring, make it about money, but the trip isn't, isn't cheap either. Right. So, I mean, if you want to help support, that's an easy way to, to support the people that are going. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously prayer is always yeah. highly, because we had, we had a tough time, time down there. We had one person that, w- that went down for mm-hmm. three, four days mm-hmm. and we were all on edge because we didn't know he would get home right. to be quite honest. So that was scary, but God works in, in awesome ways, mm-hmm. and he made it all come together, and we got home. And, I mean, there was, there was some God moments there that worked out. So prayer is powerful, yeah. and I know a lot of times you just say, well, you can just pray for me. 
it's like, no, you can pray for it. Like, there's power in prayer. Yeah. So, I mean, prayer is an easy one, but it's also one that's super important. Um, so that, I guess that's how that's how we can help support, but at the same time, how Celebrate can help for support sure. others and, and us along the way. So. For sure. Okay. And say yes. Like, yeah, the next time this trip comes about, that's like, right. say yes. Like, or ask, ask us questions. Ask yeah. anybody yeah. that wants questions. Like, we'll be more than that's happy right. to talk about the, the Goombay Punch and... And Melcher. We haven't even brought up yeah, Melcher yeah. yet. Honestly. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so many things we could tell stories on. And we only got ice cream one time. We were promised it a couple times. We yeah. only got it one time. But, you know, I mean. You know, but it was good. You can't have all the comforts at home. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. we didn't touch on the food. Like, the food was, it was a I mean, lot of American food. It was, it was boiled it was chicken a lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we had a lot of ribs. Did you have a lot of islandy food or no? No. Okay. We had one day we went to a restaurant, mm-hmm. and you could you could get stuff there. Um, that could have been islandy, so I did try conch. Yes. Oh, did yeah. you? Said did it correctly. You like it? Yes. So, uh, if you've never had conch before, um, I would say it's similar to calamari. Oh, or yeah. Chi- yeah, chicken gizzards. Or yeah. chicken gizzards. Yeah. Very yeah. chewy. Lot, I was going to say it is true. It's a lot yeah. of feels real mustardy. So, if you're not <laughs> big on. Muscly, not mustardy. <laughs> I mean, mustard might help it, though. <laughs> so, if like you're thinking you might want. Yeah, if you're thinking you might want conch. If you don't like chewy things, I'm not. If you don't like chewy, yeah. very, very chewy. Okay. Very large pieces of it. But hey, I, I wanted to try it when it's I was like, down there. Like eating a snail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it didn't have a lot of flavor either. But I think I got the good batch because mine was awesome. Mine okay. was. <laughs> mine was a good. bit chewy. They forgot to tenderize mine. <laughs> That's we had a lot of. You hey, got we, yesterday's catch. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. Maybe actually. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we grew we grew uh, we grew really close as a team. So that's what that's what was awesome about it. So yeah. All right, friends, the races are starting, the phones are ringing. We need to pray, and then we're going to call it a podcast. Um, so I wondered if, as a team, would you guys mind pl- praying specifically for the island of Abaco? And then, if you wouldn't mind, I'll end by blessing you and the rest of your teammates. Deal? Sure. Okay. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to um, to see the works that you're doing on Abaco Island. Father, I pray that uh, those we uh, interacted with uh, can continue to, to move uh, with your shining light. I pray that uh, you can bless them and encourage them to, to keep running the race that they have before them. Mm. Father, I pray that you can um, just bless them in ways that they don't understand. Mm. Father, I pray that there's there can be resources that come in uh, and ways to uh, to help the island in, in any way that it can. Uh, and these groups that go down that they can they can be the shining light for you, your hands and feet and that they can uh, they can bless you and that the island can be changed by the way by what many hands is doing on that island um, that they can get plugged in where they need to and, and get introduced to the people that they need to talk to uh, just yeah just help out many hands and be with them as, as they go on their journeys um, dear father please watch over all of our wonderful friends that we left in Abaco, mm-hmm. please keep them safe, mm-hmm. comfort, even during the storms that might run through. We know you have your sheltering arms around them. That's right. Please keep um, everyone safe, and please watch over the island and bring what you know they need in every trip that comes to aid them in the future and as the new school year begins please watch over the children as they go into the new school and please watch over all of the helping hands crew that might come in the future give them strength and comfort and peace as they do your work Lord Mm -hmm. thank you for everything that you've given us in this day and the days forward Father, I thank the, thank you that you are able to still be so apparent in such destruction. Hmm. Um, there's so many people that are doing without, 
and they don't know any they don't know any different because they know you they know your love and they know that you will provide for them and so I just pray that you'll continue to be with them you'll continue to provide them with their needs I pray that uh, future groups will continue to bless the island and bless the people that are down there I know that future trips will probably be more of an opportunity to have uh, more personal one-on-one -on -one time with people and I just pray that um, you're already building those relationships or bringing those people forward um, and I pray for even the people that might be thinking about going down next year or whatever we have our next trip I pray that the that you will um, stir in their hearts um, an interest and a desire for wanting to further your kingdom mm -hmm. and and stir up in them uh, yeah just a love for wanting to help people that desperately desperately need your help and um, yeah father so as you continue to to work in our hearts and, and rebuild the island of Abaco and the people that were affected. We just pray that um, you'll continue to have each one of those people's names written on your hand and that you'll hold them near and dear to your heart and in your mind. And I just pray that no one feels like they're alone down there or that their their time on earth is through until you said it is, Father. Just, just comfort those people that need it. Um, yeah, and just help... Help us to help rebuild what needs to be rebuilt down there whenever that next opportunity comes. Yeah. Thank you. And Jesus, we thank you so much for this team. God, thank you for the ways that Mike, Russ, Becky, and the other 10 were able to represent you in your heart. God, I thank you that they got to join with what you're already up to. God, I am so thankful that you are doing a beautiful thing in Abaco. It is so exciting to hear about. And so, God, for this team, will you bless the yes that they already said? God, will they continue to see and reflect back on the ways that you were teaching them, the ways that you were ministering to them, the ways that you went before them, followed behind them, and were with them in each moment? God, we pray protection over those memories. And God, will their power of testimony and the testimony that you have written in each one of them encourage the rest of us to go make disciples of all nations. So come, Lord Jesus, fill them to the fullest places, encapsulate them with the fullness of who you are, and Jesus, will they be more and more who you created them to be, fully alive in you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Celebrate until next time. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Celebrators Podcast. We hope you're inspired to find ways to go into your own community and share God's love. Thanks for listening, and let's go.